Welcome back to Hattrick Lacrosse Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the Three Garretts. Today marks our first episode of actually picking games, and while we hope you've enjoyed our preseason coverage, it's now time to dial in and make some picks. Before we get into it, in case you missed it a few weeks back, here's our top 20 heading into the new season. Starting from 20, working our way up, we've got Villanova at 20, Boston University at 19, Delaware at 18, UNC at 17, and we've got Army at 16. Uh, Jacksonville checks in. Whoa, 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 Voight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My bad. Premature. You can't take the Dolphins away from me. Premature. Premature. (laughs) We've got the Dolphins at 15 from Jacksonville. Drybands, Hawk Hill, St. Joe's is at 14. We got the Harvard Crimson at 13, Ohio State at 12, and Brown at 11. And going starting at 10, uh, we got Puke, I mean Duke, um, Rutgers <laughs> at 9, Yale at 8, Penn at 7, and Princeton at 6. Rounding out the top five, we've got the Fighting Irish at 5, Cornell at 4, Virginia at 3, Georgetown at two, and the Terrapins at number one. That's right. And if you are curious how we got to those rankings, feel free to check out our last episode where we previewed the top 25, our preseason top 25. And to note, every week when we have our episodes, before we get into picking, um, we'll list a team's rankings. So we'll go through our top 20 every week. And as a reminder, um, this is our hat trick, lax picks, top 20. It's not the media poll. It's not the coaches poll or anything else. This is our three individual rankings averaging out to make an official hat trick, lax picks, top 20. So now from our first two episodes, you might have heard us on more than one occasion call some guys dogs. And we want to spotlight these guys every single week throughout the season and give them the credit for being having incredible performances on a weekly basis. So, in addition to our top 20 every single week at the beginning of our show, Voight will be highlighting Hattrick Lacrosse Picks' official dog of the week. So, what is a dog, really? Um, a dog is someone who, you know, may not be the flashiest player or someone who gets regularly recognized on the broadcasts. A dog is considered to be someone who makes plays when they need to and plays the game with passion and grit. Picking up tough GBs taking the ball away in big spots, clearing the ball in on set hill transition, and being a tough ride player. A dog, is, a dog does the little things right and makes the plays to create the best opportunities for their teammates each week. I'll recognize the official dog of the week from the previous slate of games. But just for this week, I've picked a few candidates for the, this upcoming slate of games. Uh, this week I've picked three players and an honorable mention uh, who I think fall under the category of a dog. So to get right into it, uh, I'm actually going to save the first candidate for last, and I'll just go into right into candidate number two, Levi Anderson. Needs no, introdu- needs no other introduction. Uh, gritty physical attackman. Uh, they're, going up against, uh, they're going up against some of the toughest dudes in the Army Black Knights this weekend, so should be a good matchup. He's going to have to have uh, a game, and I think he will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we got Sam Cambiri. I 
still not 100% on the pronunciation of that last name, but I'm I'll going with that. Kingsbury. I, I, I think you're right there. I think that's what it All is. Right. All right, I'm just going to roll with that until I get corrected. Um, Cambiri <laughs> uh, is an LSM from Utah. Uh, just some stats from last year. He had three goals, nine assists, 66 ground balls, led the team in calls turnovers with 28, uh, and was tied sixth in the nation for calls turnovers per game, uh, tied with uh, a couple of guys, including Will Bowen, and he was ahead of Owen Grant as well, which Dryband, who, who Dryband has been uh, highlighting a lot this year. Those are some um, stats. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, as the first candidate I mentioned, uh, you guys might not know who this guy is, but I know him personally. There's uh, a guy named Grant Evans. He's a transfer from Grove City at the Division Three level. He's a FOGO uh, attending Marquette as a grad student. Uh, and he was tied first in faceoff percentage in, at the D3 level in 2022. And he's been hanging around that top three ever since he transferred to Grove City. Damn. So uh, wait, boy, he started at OWU, he went to Grove City, and now he's at Marquette? Yeah, so he was only at OWU for a semester and then transferred uh, after that year. And uh, he's been playing at Grove City since, and then now he's at Marquette. Um, just knowing what I know about him, just tough dude. Uh, he's not afraid to get his nose dirty in the trenches. Um, I'm really happy to see him in Marquette. He's uh he definitely deserves to be playing at a high level like that. For for those who don't follow D3 as religiously as Voight and I do, and we're gonna get driving in there soon enough. Grove <laughs> City, Grove City is probably a school you've never heard of if you don't follow D3. They are on the up and up. Like I would put them in my top 30. Um they're a team that's made the tournament. I think, you know, in the next decade, like you can expect that team to have some progress. At some point, the D3 landscape will know who they are. But it, that's a that's a cool pick. That's a cool school. I'm glad you highlighted it. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. when I saw Grove City, I thought that was a high school at first. I thought you just made a misprint, <laughs> but that's good to know. That's some good knowledge right there. Ah, they they are definitely on the up and up. They made the uh, they made the tournament last year, and I think the year before as well. Made it pretty far. Um, they got a lot of studs. Small Pennsylvania school. Uh, great program. Uh, greatly coached too. Um. And then, yeah, I have finally had my honorable mention, nothing to do with lacrosse, but uh, Mr. Beast, he's a YouTuber, YouTuber uh, cured a thousand people's temporary blindness. Uh, I think uh, he did it in a video, but I'm not sure when the video uh, took place, uh, but all-time human, all-time guy. Don't matter when it took place. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty sweet, pretty sweet. What my goal for this podcast is in due time, we get little, like, dog trophies and get to and send them to the guys who win oh i'm way ahead of you i'm way i'm way ahead of you <laughs> i'm way ahead of you i was looking at uh trophy sites where i can order trophies on like small trophies online today actually <laughs> that's gonna be a mainstay of the future well back to the picks before we get into it and i promise we are momentarily we just want to point out um what to expect from us every week and some of the unique additional things that we're going to be doing in addition to Voight's Dog of the Week. So every week we're going to pick one team that we're going to call our dark horse. So this is a team that we think had a great upset performance the week prior and who we think um, can be on the rise. Next, we're going to have our surprise team, a team who, regardless of where they were, had a really surprising performance to us, whether it be a unranked or ranked team. A team, uh, we're going to have another team that we're going to call the panic button team, 
this is a squad that will have maybe lost an upsetter, will have just played poorly, whatever the case may be. We're going to be hitting the panic button on that team, uh, and hopefully they can turn it around. And finally, we're going to have just the fun team to watch. And this is going to be, you know, the group of guys that we had the most enjoyable time watching the past weekend. Um, and we think they're going to be an entertaining uh, squad to watch moving forward. So for this week, we're only going to have the Dark Horse, the team who we think we're going to have uh, the best chance of an upset because obviously no one's played anything yet. But we'll be covering those other three in future weeks. And lastly, before we get going, we will also say, of course, how we all fared the week prior. You want to know how well we did. And this being the first week, here's how we finished last season. So it pains me deeply to say it, but Dryban won last year, and he won in pretty dominating fashion. Uh, normally, our records are pretty close, but last year, he won with a record of 421 and 121, which was five better than myself at 416 and 126 and seven better than Voigt at 414 and 128. So yes, there are a lot of college lacrosse games to pick. And unfortunately, drive-in was the best. I just know the most information about this game. What can I say? I'll prove it again this year too. Back to back, baby. Back to back. Voigt, it's a new season. Uh, We're coming for him. Yep, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be much more bolder this year. Um, not typically this week, uh, other than one game, but I'm going to be very bold this year. As long as Glazer doesn't pick Loyola every single week, regardless of who <laughs> they play, he might do well. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's get into it. Voight, what's our first game? So first up, we have the Mercer Bears visiting the Bucknell Bison. Uh, so for this game, I am actually going to take Mercer. Uh Big time underdog in this game, uh, just because Bucknell had a had a better record than them. Mercer was five and ten. I think Bucknell was nine and six last year. Um, so Bucknell's clearly it, on paper the better team, but I really like how Mercer starts the first game of each season. Um, they tend to start fast and play fast throughout the game. Uh, and I have a couple of keys um, that what they really need to do for me at least is just went at the face-off dot. Ashton Wood has to play pretty well. He's a grad this year. Uh, he went uh, 50% at the face-off dot uh, against Bucknell last season, going 18 for 36. Um, and really, Mercer just, uh, they need to win the face-off dot, control the ball, play at a high pace, high, high octane throughout. Um, and uh, really, their defense just needs to improve a lot, much more team defense. It was a mess at times last year. Um, return. They got some returners coming back, so hopefully those guys can set the tone early for them. So I'm going to preface my pick with the fact that this week, the three of us as a whole, we think that the Mercer Bears are the dark horse of the week. And that means we think they're the biggest underdog that we think has the best chance to win, specifically against Bucknell in this case. Uh, <laughs> saying that, though, I still think Bucknell is going to win this game. Um, Mercer does look really good. Everything Voight said is I, I don't have anything else to expand upon. I I am a really big believer of home field advantage at the beginning of the season, too. Mercer has a long way to travel all the way up to Bucknell, so I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Bison on this game. Yeah, I mean, leave it to Voight to start off the year with an upset pick, but I love it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with the dry band. I think, 
I think Bucknell is a little too good of a team for this Mercer Bears squad. I think we've normally seen Mercer open the season in late January, or early, early February, and they've, they've hosted games in Georgia because it's warm. But this is a little different. You're going to, to Lewisburg up north. Um, I haven't been that impressed with Bucknell's start to the seasons, but I think I think they take care of it this year. And I think a lot of people are keeping their eye on the Bison for a Patriot League, Patriot League run. So I'm going with the Bison. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say anything against the, those picks. Like I, like I said earlier, Bucknell is clearly the better team on paper. Um, just don't count on Mercer. Like they, they always start the first game of the year fast and fast and physical. So, uh, keep an eye on those guys. And going right into our next game, we have the Air Force Falcons going over to Columbus, Ohio, visiting the Ohio State Buckeyes, breaking in that new field, boys. Breaking in that new field. Um, I was re- I was kind of skeptical, ba- like how the field would look based on the AI images that they released a while back, but I uh, got a chance to see it in some of the post game presser or post scrimmage pressers that they had. Uh, last week and it's, it looks really nice it looks really good um, but enough about the field uh, a little bit about this I think Ohio State's going to take this game uh, I really liked how the starting goalie and the, and the head coach uh, were going about their approach to this game in their uh, post scrimmage press conference uh, they seem to be all business um, and looking to start off this year strong if Air Force doesn't have Brendan Krause anymore which of course they do not I don't know how they have a how they have a chance in this game, and that's not to disrespect the Falcons. Like I think they're a good team and a formidable team in D1, but it's hard to pick against the Buckeyes in a home opener in their new stadium in cold Columbus. It it seems like it's going to be a party for Ohio State. I think they might win running away. I'm not saying it might be. I'm not saying it'll be a ten goal blowout, but. I think the Falcons could be subdued pretty quickly. So I'm going all Buckeyes. I'll keep this short. Not saying that rankings are everything, but we ranked Ohio State number 12 in the preseason poll for a reason. And they honestly could have been higher than that too. I I think the Buckeyes are going to handle this game pretty easily and take out the Falcons for their first, their uh, home opener. Next up, we got what I think could be like a very, very interesting and good game to watch. That is certainly by no means a headliner. And that's the Detroit Mercy Titans traveling to Virginia to take on the VMI cadets. Not the sexiest game on paper, but let me tell you that this team or these teams played each other last year. And it was an interesting game. It was at Detroit Mercy uh, and the Titans won, I think it would have been 14-11, 15-11, like a four-goal game. Um, but that was before VMI went on their run and made the SoCon tournament. And so I think that was a catalyst for VMI to kind of get things going. Last year, all three of us took Detroit Mercy. And like I said, they won. But this year, I like the reverse. I like the key debts at home. I like yeah. the fact that Detroit has to travel. And I'm I'm a little bit on the VMI bandwagon this year. Like I, I think they can produce, and so I'm going to go Cadets. If you mean bandwagon in the sense of VMI is going to be a lot better than they have been in previous years, yes, I agree with you on that. We'll we'll keep bandwagon for teams that I think could go deep in the tournament. But I agree with you, Glazer. I think VMI is going to take this game. I think this this matchup just screams February lacrosse to me. Um, 
I think it definitely will be a close game. I think it'd be a fun game to watch. These two teams are very close in skill level, I think. And I think VMI will come out on top of it. Like I said, home field advantage, especially February early games, big component, I think. So VMI got my pick on this one. Yeah, I'm going to keep it short, too. VMI. Um, Blazer did uh, convince me. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the key debts in this one. I still can't get over at how they spell that nickname, though, the <laughs> key debts. It, it's, it's hilarious. All right, so our next game, this one I'm not going to spend too much time on. We've got the Bellarmine Knights traveling to number 10, Duke Blue Devils. I've got Duke. Uh, Duke hits February slumps, like I've mentioned before in some of our episodes, but I don't think they're going to have one against Bellarmine. I think they're going to be able to handle them pretty easily, especially at home. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think there's a very, very slim chance Duke drops this game. However, if I can give some credit to Bellarmine, like that program, a lot like Mercer, has been steadily improving year oh, over yeah. year. And I think they had some good things cooking down there. And certainly, I think this is just a great game for Bellarmine to experience, to see how a program like Duke runs and to aspire to it long term. So they don't get the win. But I think they play hard and tough. Yeah, no, agreed. I I'm taking Duke in this one. Um, really, what I'm just looking for as as far as Duke is concerned is uh, you know just how much of control Brennan O'Neill will have in the offense. Like, is is Dyson Williams going to get get involved? How much is he going to be controlling the offense, controlling the ball? Um, so yeah, just looking for little things like that. I just I'm I'm a big critiquer of the of the Duke Blue Devils, but that's neither here nor there. Next up, we have a newcomer to D1, the Lindenwood Lions, going up north to visiting the Market Golden Eagles, which I'm surprised in the media that I've been reading about. People are a little bit higher on Marquette than even I was going into the season. People think that they can be a little bit more dangerous in the Big East this year. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take him at home. I love the Lindenwood story. I love D2 teams coming to D1. I don't see how the Lions can can win this game. Uh, Voigt did a good job with his dog of the week with a with the Marquette Fogo. Marquette's got a lot of really good young guys. If we think back to our conference preview, um, that one Marquette freshman last year like lit it up in the Big East. I think this team, you know, can be dangerous, but I think they'll handle handle Lindenwood relatively easily and i'm sure this game will be in the marquette dome which if i remember correctly is one of those field level cameras so kind of a cool cool watching experience it'll be really nice to see how lindenwood adapts to their very first game d1 i mean huge for them as a program it's awesome uh but for my pick i'm definitely taking marquette for this one i don't think marquette's gonna let this game slip out for them uh I hope they're not overlooking it by any means because teams that have come up from D2 aren't complete pushovers. We've seen that from Merrimack and uh, LIU and because they won multiple games their very first season in the D1 level. So don't think Marquette needs to overlook them by any means, but I, I think the Golden Eagles will definitely handle uh, Lindenwood at home. Yeah, I like Marquette in this one. I'm excited to see my guy Grant Evans get out there and uh, get some D1 experience. Next up, we have the Mountaineers hailing from Edmundsburg, traveling south in their state to take on 
the midshipmen of Annapolis. If we recall, guys, this game was the stunner of the early season last year, right? People mm-hmm. were a little high on Navy, just as they are this year, probably a little bit more high on them this year. And Mount St. Mary's came out in a defensive slugfest. I don't think that game had anyone scoring more than 10 goals. I think it was like an 8-7 or something. Um, yeah. I I don't think that happens this year. I think that was one of those weird anomalies. It certainly shocked me. I know we all took Navy. Um, but I think if you look at Navy season last year, that singular loss, I don't want to extrapolate too much from it, but as I looked back, like you could kind of see how it set them on a downward disappointing spiral for the year. I think everyone can agree Navy underperformed expectations last year, with the exception, of course, of beating Army. But I think in a weird way, like this is a huge game for Navy to get back. And it's a little bit of a revenge time. They're coming to you. So I would see I, I, I could easily see Navy taking this game very seriously and trying to run up the scoreboard on Mount. And don't get me wrong, like Mount's always going to have a good defense. But I think Navy has some excitement and certainly needs to prove themselves after the up and down year last year. So I'm taking the mids. Yeah, I think if you're Navy, you got to come to this game a little bit pissed off about the result last year. Um, you know, St. Mary's, again, they're not pushovers. Um, they get some they've they've had some solid rec- recruits uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to bet against guys who, you know, protect the country for a living. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, if you're Navy come in pissed off and ready to take down these guys. Yeah, I, I definitely have Navy in this game. Uh, the reason it was 11 to nine in favor okay. of Mount St. Mary's last year. And the reason it was that score was because Mount's goalie McGinley had 21 saves, 70% save percentage that game. So unless he can reproduce that monumental feat against the midshipmen, I don't think Mount St. Mary's is going to have a chance to win this one. Mm. Dang, 21 saves. That's awesome. Yeah, that is a performance. That's so, that's, that's a dog of the week worthy performance. That he, oh, yeah. yeah. That is. So moving on to the next game, we've got the Hofstra Pride traveling to the Merrimack Warriors. So start off this game, I've got Merrimack. I, I like Merrimack a lot. I... From what I've seen, Merrimack in the past couple of years, was this their third year at the D1 level, right? I think now. Third or fourth. I mean, it feels like it's been longer. Yeah. It's been at least two seasons already. Um, I really like what Merrimack's done at the D1. I think they've come in. They've been able to win some games. Both them and LIU have impressed me since they've moved up. And on the flip side of that coin, Hofstra has not impressed me at all. Um. Not a great team. Uh, so I'm taking Merrimack on this one. I think they've got the home field advantage. It'll be a close game, but I like them in this one. So I'm surprised that, and boy, I don't mean to spoil your pick, but I'm surprised that we all took Merrimack in this game. And That was my next question. I wasn't sure who I picked in this game, but okay. <laughs> that was going to be my so, next question. So it, like, if we look at this game historically – uh, Hofstra beat Merrimack at home by one last year, and we all took Hofstra, and so we all won. But I think we all had a conversation amongst ourselves last year that was like, yeah, Merrimack could win this game. And so I'm treating this game a lot like I'm treating the VMI Detroit Mercy game, where I think VMI 
like Mary Mack benefits from that home field advantage. And I think, like Dryman said, Hofstra is meh. Like, we just don't know. Furthermore, like I've said it before on this on this podcast, Hofstra is one of those teams that is the bane of my existence when it comes to picking, and I probably take them more than I should. So in spite of that, I'm taking the Warriors, and if Hofstra wins, I'm going to be so freaking pissed. Yeah, no, I'm really, I think I only took the Mer- Merrimack here because of, you know, Glazer's bad luck with them. So, you know, I'm just going to, whenever Glazer decides he's going to pick Hofstra, I'm going to go to the opposite team. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like Merrimack. I like how they've developed and improved over the last few years. Um, yeah, so I'm going to take Merrimack. And, uh, next up we have the number 14 St. Joseph's Hawks going over to West Point to go visit the Army Black Knights who are at 16 in our rankings. So this is probably the most, this is probably the game I'm most excited for this, uh, this year or this weekend rather. Um, I am the only one of us taking Army, um, solely because it's a home game for Army. They're the toughest dudes on the planet, um, and by no means I I I love St. Joseph's. I think they're a great team, um, but I just don't think it's their day. I think they're gonna have a great season. Um, but the only question mark I had for them was: is this is uh, the success that they had last season? You know, going to the tournament, playing Yale at a at an elite level is that going to be a sort of a hangover i don't know but uh i really like the home team and army in this one yeah i that's fair i have st joe's boy kind of said it that he's the only one's picking army this week but as high as i am in st joe's i really don't want to pick against them in any game but i know when i should and this game isn't one of them i think one of army's best pros for a team is that they're incredibly physical on defense really, really good physicality, and that's how they can bully teams on the defensive end a lot of times. And I think St. Joe's, their size on their offense, like their entire offensive end, their attack and their midfield lines, I think they have what it takes to stand up against Army. I think that they can go out there, punch Army in the mouth, and I think they want to make a statement coming into this season, especially they have this incredible chance going to Army, who is a great team and a great program on top of that too, to go out there, make a name for themselves, and just beat them and kind of say, hey, it wasn't a one-year wonder kind of thing. We're here again. We're going to, you know, try to go even farther than just an appearance in the postseason. We named this episode for Week Zero the Wild West because its two biggest games are happening in the West. One of them is, of course, this one in, like, West Point, and the other is, like, actually west of us in Denver. So... We thought that, you know, it was a fitting analogy to call this week zero the Wild West. And I think this game in particular is so exciting because normally like week zero is a kind of like a bunch of meh games where, yeah, we might have a dark horse or, yeah, there could be an upset. But for the most part, it's like week three in college football where Alabama's playing the Citadel. And you're like, why am I watching this right now? Having this game and a couple others we're going to get to is awesome for February lacrosse and to get people into the season as early as this. So with that in mind, like Boyd said, I got to go with St. Joe's and I'm going with them partially because of the hype and because of all the unknowns of Army. Like, I think it was, what, 18 seniors? That's a that's a lot to reload. And I'm not saying that the Army staff can't do it. That That's a fantastic staff and they certainly can. 
Um, but I think St. Joe's finally clowned the mountaintop by winning the NEC last year, and they're going to have a hard-fought battle in the A-10 this year. And I think that their path to the tournament, either with an AQ or getting that at-large bid, it starts with a great performance against this Army team. So I'm going with Hawk Hill. This is going to be one of the best games of the weekend by far. Easily, easily. Yeah. If you don't watch any other game, you got to watch this one. And the and the VMI Detroit Mercy game. Got to tune into that. <laughs> Next up, we have the Holy Cross Crusaders going to the Providence Friars. This is a very uh, religiously oriented mascot game. And this game has a little bit of intrigue to it. It's Coach Benson's first game coaching Providence. So we're getting to see kind of what he's been able to do in his time there so far. Um, look, Holy Cross has been, I don't want to disrespect any program, but kind of the laughing stock of the Patriot League. They've just had a couple really poor seasons in a row. And I know they're better than that. Like the Patriot League top to bottom is a competitive conference and, and should be. So I'm going to take the Friars here. I think even without Coach Benson, I would have taken them in this game. But I think now with Coach Benson there and the roster they have, I think Providence pulls away from the, this one a little bit. I don't think they embarrass Holy Cross, but I think Holy Cross still got a little ways to go before they find themselves competitive in a game like this. Yeah, I think this is. I think this game for these guys, it's going to be a carbon copy of last year's game. Providence won that game 16 to nine. Um, you know, Providence has some returners and coach Benson as well. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I think that if there's any game at any point this season for Holy Cross to win, it's this one. Um, so I, I re- would really love to see them coming out firing early and often like, like Mercer. Um, I just don't know if they have the talent or skill to do so. Um, but yeah, I'm until I see it, I'm, going to stick with Providence. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I'm a Friars fan on this game. Um, I think Providence could honestly embarrass Holy Cross in this one. It's honestly just a tale of two programs. Holy Cross, kind of like Laser said, is on the down swing right now. Providence, on their other hand, though, I think is on the upswing as a program. So I think the Friars will take this game. Next up, we have Lafayette visiting the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, last year, Penn State won this game 20-15, to 15, which was a lot closer than I think what we initially thought it would be uh, oh, yeah. this time last year. Um, one of Penn State's three wins last year, might I, might I add, as well. <laughs> um, so I think if you're Penn State, you just, you just want to throttle these guys out of the way like the entire game you know um the way you finished the way you had ended your season last year going three and eleven um that that just got to leave a bit a bad taste in your mouth man and i really love the penn state program i love the coaching staff um it just didn't seem like they were all there last year so you know you got lafayette coming into town throttle them send them home with a loss go back to the go back to the meeting room get back to business yeah, so I'm going to take Penn State here again. I think it's the kind of obvious book choice, but I'll try to nuance my pick by saying that 
to Voight's point, this game, while a five-goal game last year, was way closer than we imagined. Like, if we were doing this episode last year, I guarantee you we would have Lafayette as our surprise team from the week. Um, so while I'm taking Penn State, I'm going to bet that this game is actually kind of close. I'm going to say it's within a five-goal margin. I think Penn State probably handles the game and never loses like a two or three-goal lead. But I I was honestly impressed by Lafayette last year down the stretch and by you know what I think that they can do. So I think they come into this game probably thinking that they left it on the table last year. And I think it's a competitive one. So it might be a good one to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Penn State too. And the only thing I'll add is that I think Lafayette this year will definitely surprise some people out there. Not just fans, but other teams. I think this program's definitely on the up and up and watch out for them. But Penn State for my pick for week one or zero. Week zero. <laughs> it's so hard to like sometimes it's week one, some it's just so hard to determine what's well, it's like week zero and then week one half next week. Yeah, and then exactly. week one once <laughs> Ivy League finally gets in. So all right, next up we have the Marist Red Foxes traveling south to our number nine ranked team in the country, the Rutgers Starlet Knights. Um, look, in our conference breakdown, I talked about Marist a little bit and how they just haven't been able to be themselves because of the COVID year and then not being able to play like more than four or five games the year after due to COVID on their campus. Like it's been a rough ride for the Red Foxes. And it's a shame because when that all struck that team, they were on fire in the MAC. Like that was when they first started this run. Remember they beat Army and it was like mm-hmm. insane. So I read a great piece um, by Inside the Cross, um, kind of covering the Red Foxes, and I, and I was persuaded by the argument it had to say that this is this is the year that Marist is back back to that form. Are they to the form where they can beat Rutgers? No, I don't think so. Um, and so I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights. But I think it nonetheless is a great opportunity to see what this Marist squad's capable of. Yeah, that's cool and all that Marist might be back, but it's Rutgers. They're blowing them out. Marist is just going to get a smack in the face this first game. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Not too much. Yeah, nothing to add. Um, back to business as usual for Rutgers this week. Um, yeah, just uh, I think it'll be I think uh, it'll just be nice to watch this game just to see where Rutgers is. Um, with all their returners coming back and their grad students um, and the couple of transfers that they got. So, um, yeah, Rutgers throttle them. Next game that we've got up on the docket, a really interesting one. We've got a Richmond Spiders team that we had just outside of our top 20 against our number one preseason team, the Maryland Terrapins. This game, I think, is going to be really exciting and fun to watch. I have Maryland, obviously. I'm everyone else, all three of us have Maryland. I think most people would pick Maryland for this game too. But this honestly might be, I think, top three games that I would want to put on my television and watch this weekend. Um, not just because it's a game that I think that Richmond really has a shot to win, but I, I do think they do. But it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Richmond's going to put up a good fight and Richmond always puts up a good fight in any game that they're in. And it'll be really interesting to see what this Maryland team looks like on top of it too. see how their offense kind of acts the season, see how they kind of fill in all of those holes that we, that they lost from last year uh, and kind of see also same thing for Richmond too. Um, like I touched on it, their offense kind of has to have a new identity after their leading goal scorer left last season. Uh, same thing with Maryland. 
Wisnowskis left. So they kind of have to, both these teams are kind of looking for a new offensive identity. And this game will be fun to watch to see who kind of just actually steps up and fills that role as, you know, who can be that quarterback for both offenses. Yeah, I got the Terps in this one. Um, I don't think that really needs to be said for in my case, but um, just, yeah, just to talk a little bit about Richmond, they they always come into this Maryland game each and every year with a chip on their shoulder, like they have something to prove. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm actually more terrified about this game than I have been in the past, just because you know Dryban pointed it out. Um, other than really like the defense, uh, Maryland has a lot to a lot of holes to fill on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so it's going to be a much it's going to look a lot different on the field, um, but just got to see what they look like as the game progresses. Yeah, I'll add that um, while I didn't go and watch the Maryland Georgetown scrimmage from this past weekend, I did talk to a few people that did see it. And it was exactly what really everyone in the lacrosse media world is, has been predicting. Maryland defense was absolutely locked down and that those starters hardly let them anything. Wehrman at the faceoff dominated and got them possessions. But there it is. The question is on offense. And the Maryland offense wasn't as prolific or productive as it certainly was last year. And that will be the question. So almost like my Penn State Lafayette game, yeah, I'm taking the Terrapins. But, like, I don't think Maryland wins by more than four. I think this is a close game. And I think Maryland wins because of their defense and because of the amount of possessions that Wehrman gives them. I think... Outside of that, I, I'm maybe thinking like a like a 13-9 kind of game. I don't think Maryland exceeds 15. Yeah, Weirman coming back is huge for Maryland, just to make sure that their offense can have that volume of possessions that they need to have if it's not going to be as consistent again this year. Yeah, um, just to – sorry, just nope. to add one more thing. Um, just turnovers are going to be a big part of this game for Maryland's offense, you know. They didn't. They didn't turn the ball over. What feels like at all last year. Um, so with all these holes that they got to fill on offense, it's going to be interesting to see. You know where they at right now in the beginning of the season when it comes to ball security, holding on to the ball, and offensive possessions. So, <laughs> a little preemptive the first time. Moving on to our next game, we've got the Vermont Catamounts visiting the Syracuse Orange. This, I think, also, this is going to be a very weird skill level comparison, but I think this is very similar to the Detroit Mercy and the VMI game. Two teams that I think coming into the season are very similar skill level-wise and in two very different positions themselves, at least regarding their conference positions. I think Vermont is clear-cut favorites to win the CAA. Syracuse, on the other hand, America East, good sir. Relax. America East, thank you. <laughs> even did their analysis. Good lord. Uh, Syracuse, on the other hand, though, probably, definitely uh, projected to finish at the bottom of the ACC. So, very interesting matchup to see, kind of, if Syracuse has tweaked those things that they had happening from last year. See how their offense is functioning. They've got Owen Hiltz back, like I've touched on in both of our last two podcasts. Uh, Vermont, though, has a lot of returners, and they've been coached great. 
under fives. So we're going to see how this game is. I think it'll be really good and definitely very telling for both teams on top of that too, going forward. Yeah. Like I totally love that Mercer is our dark horse for the week. I think Vermont's probably my best pick as an upset, but I don't think you can call it an upset because I don't think any of us would be surprised if the Catamounts won this game. I'm not taking them because I think Syracuse is just enough better and especially enough better at home to get the job done. But like the past couple games we've been talking about, like this, everything I'm reading right now is telling me that this game's going to be close and this game's going to come down to the last couple possessions. And if it's not, and if Syracuse or Vermont, for that matter, pulls away, we're going to learn a ton about that 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 team. So I, I like a really interesting matchup and one that I think tells us tells us a lot about the the potential for both these teams. I'm I'm picking Syracuse, by the way. I don't think I said that I was picking Syracuse. Now that <laughs> I think about it during my whole spiel, but I'm picking Syracuse in this one too. Yeah, I'm taking Syracuse in this game. Um, all I'll really add is that just. Uh, you know, win or lose this game, you're going to learn a lot about these two programs and how they're going to how they're going to perform later in the season. Um, I also just wanted to take time to address something. Um, on behalf of all of us, we just want to send out our best wishes to Paul Gate and the rest of the Gate family. Um, back in November, he had a bad fall and he had to have. Uh, he had to uh, go to the hospital for his back, head, and ribs. Uh, it was uh, it was reported last week in the USA Magazine that he's now paralyzed from the waist down. But it sounds like he uh, is in good spirits, and it's back to business as usual. He's uh, continuing his work with the Gate Lacrosse Program, um, and he even you know went back to work when he was still in the hospital. And I recently learned that he was also at LaxCon a few weekends ago. So that's some good news that he's uh, getting back out there. Um, so yeah, just on behalf of all of us, we just want to send our best wishes, wishes to Paul and the rest of the Gate family as they go through this difficult time. Yeah, definitely. It's great to hear that he's got good spirits about it too. That's awesome. Totally great. Thank you. Thank you for that, Void. I think as much as we talk crap about Syracuse on this podcast, that you know, part of me is is rooting for them this weekend. Not just because I picked them, but I think going to be playing playing with another extra something for adrenaline um, with their coach's brother. So watch out, watch out for that. Yeah, definitely still lacrosse community as a whole too. One tough dude, man. One tough dude, Paul Gates. All right. Well, we're down to our final three games of week zero. This next one is right up there with St. Joe's and Army. We have the Utah Utes going one state over to Denver taking on the Pioneers in Coach Tierney's final home opener. Now, this matchup is intriguing unto itself with some history behind it. So the last two times Utah has played Denver, they've lost by one goal both times. Last year, Voigt was the only one of us to took the Utes, and they lost, I think it was 14-13. In overtime. The year yep. The year before, we all took the Pioneers, um, and I think that was an 8-7 to seven, uh Denver win and after that game two years ago we were like damn like Utah's for real they put they put Denver on on notice so a game that clearly now has some history behind it it's almost like the showdown of the west as I mentioned earlier so I'll come right out and say I'm going to take Utah 
I took the Pioneers the past two years, and I'm taking the Utes this year. Picking the Utes would be so, so much easier if they were playing at home. But I'm going with the old adage that the third time is the charm, and I think that they spoil Tyranny's home opener. I think it's going to be maybe another one-goal game, but I think Utah finds himself on top. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, go Utes. I uh, I think Utah has been just hanging over Denver's head the last two years in this game. Um, and yeah, I think this is when this is the time to get it done for them. Uh, call me crazy for this next statement, but I think it's better for Denver if they lose this game because it sets the tone for them for the rest of the season. You know. If they drop this game to Utah players, coaches, they're going to look to themselves and say, this shit is not going to happen again. Like, this is Bill's last year. We need to do this for coach. So, um, you know, it's more of me rooting for Utah rather than against Bill Tierney and the Pios this week. I just think it's Utah's time at this point. I was freaking blown away that I was the only one that picked Denver this week. I cannot believe... I'm the only one that picked them. I everything you guys said is right. Utah is very dangerous this year. I think Denver having a home opener for Tyranny's last season. I just it it feels wrong for me to pick against them unless the team was like Virginia, Georgetown, or Maryland, like one of the top seeded teams in the country. I, I just I feel like they're gonna have so much energy going into this and. I have to imagine all of their that senior class who has been with Tierney for four whole years has to just feel juiced up that they're going to be sending him off as a class. Like that's his last senior class. And I hope they go out there just and just give it to Utah. You're right. Utah's come close, really close the last two years. And I think it will be really close again, but I think Denver is going to edge them just one more time. And I think Utah's year might be next year to beat Denver, but not this one. Not this year. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, you're right. No, the Denver's coming in with a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of pride for their coach. So um, I think this is going to be one of the tougher games to, uh, to pick against, uh, no matter which side you're on. All right, boys. We got we to gotta talk. We got to talk. We got to talk about this game. Um, so for this second to last game, we have the Hopkins Blue Jays and visiting the number 15 ranked Jacksonville Dolphins. Some, uh, uh, just some, uh, some bad news for the Dolphins in their, uh, in their scrimmages. Uh, you know, it seems like, uh, Max Waldbaum, uh, this year doesn't look like, doesn't look great. Um, he had a non-contact knee injury. Uh, within like the first two minutes of the Lynchburg scrimmage. And uh, from my sources at, who were uh, standing at field level, who were saw the injury right in front of their faces, uh, it did not look good. So uh, I am taking Jacksonville. Yes, there is Hopkins bias behind this pick, but I still think Jacksonville has some studs. Dylan Watson's a great player. Um, but I do have I do have some question marks about this team, but I think uh, a lot of it will be answered after this weekend. Yeah, I I agree with Voight. I'm picking Jacksonville. 
I have the exact same fears, though. Wallbaum did go out. Uh, the school hasn't said anything about it yet. Probably. Nobody, no, nobody has heard anything. Nobody has said anything. But it's going around lacrosse Twitter right now. Like people are freaking out on the Dolphins mentions. Like, w- like what happened to Wallbaum? I heard he got injured. What happened? He wasn't in the UNC scrimmage. What's going on? Yeah, it's a known fact. And whether or not he was just sitting out of that UNC scrimmage just for a precaution so he could play this game, I don't know. But if there would be a team that would want to shock them, it's the Hop and Blue Jays this first week. And also, too, I don't want to overlook Hopkins at all. They, I, they probably feel like they're just being overlooked by Jacksonville because of the year that they had last year. And honestly, to be quite frank, the last couple of years. And they came out last year and they beat Jacksonville. And I think they have every right to try and do that again this year. Uh, It'll be a very telling game for Hopkins. I think Hopkins kind of needs to show like, hey, we're coming back. Like we're going to have more of a us year, you know, like kind of get back on the track that like this is Hopkins lacrosse. I get this program back on track and we're playing Jacksonville, you know, like they could make a statement this game and they have a really big opportunity ahead of themselves. And I think they have a great chance to do it. I think Millman and was this his second year, right? Last year was his inaugural season. COVID was, was kind of his first year, but yeah. COVID was his first year. Okay. So yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think so. Second yeah, technically full season since 2021 was just big 10 play and Hopkins does not fare well on big 10 play. Uh, I think he's finally getting his own recruits coming in. I think that this could be a big year, kind of like show like, hey, like I can take the reins of this program and put it back on the right track. If they do, don't do well this year, then there's a lot of questions that are going to rise up for the Hopkins lacrosse community. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. Like when we first started making these picks like a decade ago, if any of us took Jacksonville over Hopkins, the other two would laugh at the one hysterically and be like, you moron, what is wrong with you? Oh, but yeah. here we are. All three of us are taking the Jacksonville Dolphins in this game. And I came very, very close at the last minute before our recording today of switching it to Hopkins because of almost the inverse amount of disrespect the Blue Jays are getting in this matchup. Mm-hmm. But I think last year, this game meant so much to Jacksonville and to lose it. I think set a fire in their bellies to have the season that they did. I think they knew they should have won that game and beaten Hopkins. And honestly, I don't know if Jacksonville would have made it in the tournament, uh, even if they beat Hopkins, but they certainly would have had a much better resume if they did. Oh yeah. So I think for that reason alone, I'm going with Jacksonville, but watch out for Hopkins. Like they could, they could surprise a lot of people. They're my dark horse team in the Big Ten for a reason. Um, you know, I feel a lot worse about this Jacksonville game now uh, with the wall bomb news um, and also a couple of rumblings that I heard uh, from, you know, parents and players on uh, from that scrim- from that Lynchburg scrimmage. Um, so, you know, got to keep just keep an eye out for Jacksonville, you know, keep an eye on, you know, penalties and. Uh, you know, emotions throughout this game because it seems like they, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, I read an article this morning uh, 
going on about John Galloway and the Dolphins that they're going to be playing with a lot more fire than they did last year. Uh, so just look, watch out for that. Watch out for Jacksonville. Um, Blue Jays, you know, they, they're going to come to this game hot and looking for a win. So our last game for this week, we've got our only Sunday game. We have the second new team to D1 from D2 this year. The Queens Royals are visiting the Navy Midshipmen for their second game of the season. This game, I've got Navy. I really don't have too much to say on it. Queens being a fresh team, Navy's in Annapolis. I like the Midshipmen a lot in this matchup. Yeah, no, um, not much to add there. Navy, I think Navy takes this game. Um, I hope Queens has a great season this year. I just don't think it's their day. No further comment. Taking the midshipmen, think it's very bold to schedule a back-to-back, but when you're playing Mountain Queens, I think you can be fairly confident you're going to walk out of there 2-0. All right, that does it. That is the first week of games. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, look out for us every Tuesday morning throughout the season. We'll be back next week for week .5 slash week one's games. Exciting time. Lacrosse is starting back up. Get in the groove, everybody. Get in the groove. Uh, I almost wish there was a Tuesday or Wednesday game this week because I just can't. I can't wait for this this weekend, man. Um, yeah, no. By by Thursday or Friday, I'm gonna be like having the shakes. Like, come on, man. <laughs> let's just get to the weekend. Um, I need yeah. my fix. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. Go be a dog this week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yeah.